everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 255 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're talking about some hidden beliefs that may be holding you back from the results that you want to achieve in your running. We're talking all about the mental side of running today and how our thoughts and beliefs have complete power over our actions and then the results that we have. This is the Real Life Runners podcast and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right. So welcome runners to this episode of the Real Life Runners podcast. We're super excited to be here with you guys. And today we're going to be talking all about thoughts that hold us back as runners. Okay. And specifically, we're going to narrow in on three common ones that we hear a lot and help you guys understand why these thoughts are unhelpful, how they might be holding you back and what you can do about them. Yeah, the what you can do about them is, is helpful. They're thoughts that we've all had at some point in time. Oh, for sure. It was tricky to try and narrow it down to just three thoughts. Well, we, we've got lots of episodes every week. We can keep tackling more and more thoughts. <laughs> more negative thoughts <laughs> creeping around inside of your head. Or positive ones that are actually helpful. You know, we could do an episode on that too of like good thoughts that you can start practicing. But the main thing that we want to help you guys understand in this episode is the underlying concept that we want to go into first, before we get into the nitty gritty of like these thoughts and how they're holding you back, there's one big concept that you need to understand that will make the rest of this make sense. Okay. And that is how our thoughts actually affect our actions, right? That's really what the underlying concept is here. So it's important to understand that as human beings, we have brains, obviously, right? Good, most of us. And those brains (laughs) have thoughts. And a lot of our thinking as humans is unconscious, right? A lot of our thinking just kind of happens in the background. I think that the, um, do you know the statistic? It's like the human brain has like 35,000 thoughts per day, or is it like 60,000? It's a lot. It's a lot. I think it's at least 60,000 thoughts per day. I should look that up. But the human, like you think, so many things every single day and half of them, you probably don't even realize that you're thinking. That's gotta be way more than that. Like yeah, the, the amount of thoughts that just go through my head during the day that I don't even occur. That's why people ask all the time, like, what do you think about when you go out and run for so long? And yeah. I finished, I'm like, I don't remember, but I was definitely thinking about things for most of the time. They're just thoughts that just roll in. But were you, because like, this is a, a, a debate that you and I have had before, like Kevin and I, um, you know, I am obviously a woman and I am thinking about things all the time. Like, I feel like we women are kind of wired that way. And I know that- Seems to be stereotyping women. I totally am right now. And I'm okay with that right now. And if you guys want, don't like my stereotype, that's okay. Um, <laughs> but like, here's the thing is I feel like there's been so many times throughout our relationship, right? Where I'll like, look at you and I'll just be like, what are you thinking? And you're like, oh, nothing. And I'm like, okay, but actually, what are you thinking? Right. Cause like I sometimes will say nothing, but there's really actually like five thoughts going on in my head at the time. Yes, of course. And you're like, no, really nothing. And I'm like, um, how do you not think anything like, right. And you have told me before that this is like one of the things you're able to do is like, you just have a blank don't, brain. Don't <laughs> think about things. Like you can kind of take in some basic observations of what's happening around yeah. you. Like when I was running the other weekend, like, I don't know, what was I thinking about? Well, look, there's a store up. Oh, there's another one up. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's some water. Like, I don't know. I wasn't having deep thoughts. Yeah. But like when we're just like sitting most of the time sitting on, you know, on the couch in the evening or something like that, or I don't know, like at dinner, there's been times before that I like look at you and it looks like you're just kind of like looking off and mm-hmm. like, oh, what are you thinking about? Like, cause when I have that look, <laughs> <laughs> when I have that look, I'm always thinking about something. Sure. And you're like, nothing. <laughs> like, is it true though? Like, can you literally not think about anything at times? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's that I don't focus on anything. I'm sure that there are thoughts going through my head. I just don't let any of them stick. Is that what it is? Yeah. That's why, like, if you ask me what I'm thinking about, it's I, like, the answer is is nothing because I haven't, I'm not like focused on anything. Like thoughts are rolling through. It's like when you go to bed and you're actually not when you try to go to bed and you have 7,000 thoughts bouncing around inside your head and you just <laughs> lay there flipping and turning as we try and go to bed. But like when you just release those thoughts and let them drift away, so you can actually fall asleep, try and go to bed. 
It's not always that. just my thinking that's keeping me up too. It's sometimes it's my sometimes body it's feeling your restless. Twitching calves. Yes, sometimes my calves are twitching. But I I love to hear from you guys on this too. Like if you um follow us on Instagram, let me know, send me a DM if you are able to actually just clear your mind. And I think that this does take practice. And I think that this is why people practice meditation, right? Mm -hmm. Is to actually, so it's not maybe that you're not thinking anything. It might be like you just said that you're not actually focused on anything. Like you're allowing the thoughts to just kind of flow through your brain at at those times. Yeah. I mean, that's how I was taught when I first learned meditation in high school of like you lay there and thoughts are clearly like if you lay in a room in silence thoughts are going to come into your head it's just Mm -hmm. that you allow them to come in and then flow through without like sticking there yeah really thinking about that thought that just entered yeah so i'm curious if you guys are able to clear your mind like that totally and if so if you are able to do that have you been trained in meditation whether that's self-training or you know having someone else help you but either way the idea that we want to kind of dig into here is obviously your brain is having all of these thoughts, right? And your brain is having thoughts that are both unconscious and conscious. And we need to understand how those thoughts affect how we show up in our lives and how we act and the actions that we take or the actions that we don't take based on the thoughts that we're thinking, right? So the basic concept that we want you to understand is that all actions that you have that you take or don't take come from a thought. Okay. So there's a lot of people that are like, I really want to be more consistent as a runner. And they're like, so the action or the inaction is consistency, right? Sure. They're having an issue with consistency. Well, what are the thoughts that are leading to that lack of consistency? Because what happens is we have a thought that drives an action and then our actions or lack of actions then give us the results that we have in our lives. So if we are unhappy with the results that we have, if we're not fast as fast as we want to be, or if we're not able to run as long as we want to be able to run, or if, if we think that running feels harder than it should, we have to then look at the actions that we're taking, right? Like, are we running consistently? Are we training in a way that's actually going to lead to us to, to improve, actually lead to improvement. Right. Cause you can't just flip a switch and have the results. Like you have to do the actions to get them, right. but to do the actions, you have to have the thoughts. So the whole yeah. idea of like, well, if you had a magic wand and could wave it and just get the results out of running that you want, what would you do? Mm-hmm. You have a magic wand. It's just, it's you know control over your own thoughts. It's brain. It's yeah. your brain. Yeah. Your magic <laughs> wand is your brain because once you can understand that your thoughts drive your actions, which give you your results, then it's so powerful because if you want different results, all you have to do is start looking at the way you're thinking and you start changing the way that your brain is wired and the automatic thoughts that are coming to you, both the non-automatic thoughts, right? The thoughts that you're actually thinking about consciously and choosing for yourself. And then with practice, those thoughts then become more of your automated thoughts, right? Because this is what our brain is doing. Our brain is constantly looking to conserve energy, right? So the more things that our brain can put on automation, the better, because then you don't have to actually waste time and energy thinking about these things. They just happen automatically or you, you think them automatically, right? And this is how thoughts actually become beliefs. Yes. You think them over and over and over again, and you actually put some conscious intention in them. And you're like, yes, this is what I believe. Now those beliefs are then even like further underlying the drivers of your actions, right? Because there's- Whether they're correct or not, if you think it enough, it becomes a belief and then Mm -hmm. that's just like ingrained inside of you. Exactly. So today what we want to do is really to look at three thoughts and beliefs that you may or may not be aware of that are leading to some actions that you may or may not be taking and how that can affect the results that you're getting in your life. So the first one, and- We might get some pushback on this one. Um, (laughs) Because people probably have some t-shirts about it. Yeah. And it's an interesting one because it's it's something that I used to think and say and have recently been reevaluating. The worthiness of this statement inside of your head? Yeah. Um, And that is, okay, so the number one thought that I think ends up holding a lot of runners back is running is my therapy. Yeah. I I run to get rid of the crazies. Right. But running as my therapy is such an interesting thought for us to really take a look at, because I think that 
probably most of us as runners have thought this at some point in time, right? Because once you start running, what, whatever the reason is that you get into running, you soon realize that there are mental benefits to running, right? Like it's not just a physical activity. There, there definitely are, are. Yeah. Like there, there's no question on this one. Like there are clear mental benefits. Mm-hmm. Like your exercise then changes like your chemical makeup and you can get some good happy chemicals inside your head. So yeah. you can go for a run and literally feel better mentally afterwards, which leads people to be like, oh, I run for my own mental health. Right. Which is, is great. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. actually wrong in that statement. Right. In, unless you say I run for my mental health and then you also get annoyed that you're not racing faster. Right. So that's kind of where the caveats come in. So what happens here is like when people say running is my therapy, oftentimes, like we say, it can be fine. Like it can be a fine statement depending on how exactly you interpret it. Right. So the first way that this statement and this idea or this belief can hold runners back is that they say, well, running is my therapy. So they end up running easy all of the time because running is kind of like that relaxing time, right? They go out and they want to just relax. They want to just kind of run the, run the day off. Right. And they go out and they just relax and they go for a run. Right. Which is again, fine. Great. We're not saying there's anything bad about this. The problem comes in is when people then want to know why they're not progressing, right? Why am I not getting faster? Why am I not able to run longer? Because if you're going out and just running, relaxing and running too easy all of the time, Mm -hmm. that can lead to a lack of progress, right? And even on the flip side of like, if you're running even at that medium to moderate place, pace, like our effort that a lot of runners end up where you don't have to give it any thought. Sometimes running easy requires some thought of, I want to slow down and make sure it's, Mm -hmm. it's physically very easy today. Whereas if you go out and and fall into what is like your, your casual, regular cadence and rhythm and stuff, it might be faster than it might be too hard. It might be too hard. It's kind of that moderate effort every single time. Exactly. And so this can lead to a lack of progress, which again is fine as long as those are your expectations, right? As long as if that's all you're trying to get out of running, if you just want to go out and like go for a run and, you know, kind of burn that day off and go out and relax and just spend some time alone, that's fine, right? And super healthy. A hundred percent, right? But a lot of times people then get upset because they're like, well, I've been running three times a week or four times a week and I'm not getting any better, right? right? And that's because there's no structure into... you're not running with any sort of structure or purpose. You're just going out and you're just running kind of however you feel every time. Yes. Yes. It's just a lot of like exactly what you just said. It's you're running however you feel with no purpose or plan. You most of the time that's going to be easy or slide into that moderate all the time. I think a lot of times it ends up being that moderate pace. Like it doesn't, most people have a hard time, especially when they hear it from us, like running is supposed to feel easy. Most of the time they're like, wait, what, how, how, what? Like that doesn't even make sense. Right. Until you practice running easy, running easy does not become your, your default. Most people default to a moderate. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to talk a little bit more about running easy in the next one, but um, okay. So that can be one of the problems with this idea of running is my therapy. The second way that running is my therapy can become problematic Mm -hmm. is we see people that end up running too hard because they're trying to like chase away emotions, right? Like you just like had the worst day at work and you're like, I'm I'm so stressed. I'm so angry. Like my boss was a jerk. Like all these things happen. I just need to go for a run and just run it all out. Right. And so that a lot of times ends, um, leads people to run too hard, right? Because they're trying to get out there and just burn it off. And so again, just like in the last one, this, leads people to push too hard, which can lead to a couple of different places. Number one, not progressing, right? Because you're running too hard all the time. But unfortunately it can lead people even to a darker place, which is injury, right? Like it can lead to injury and frustration because now you're pushing too hard and maybe you pull something, right? Or that Achilles starts to act up mm-hmm. on you or your cat, like your calf starts hurting, right? And so now what used to be your quote unquote therapy, <laughs> you're not even able to do anymore. Right. So that just leads to more anger and frustration and depression because your mental health outlet of running 
is now taken away from you because you've pushed too hard and injured yourself. Right. Or you continue because you need that as your outlet. Yeah. So now you're on the verge of injury, but you're also super frustrated or on the verge of like depression. You're angry all the time. So you're like, well, I have to get my workout because this is how I deal with my emotions. Mm -hmm. I deal with my emotions by going out and exercising really hard. Yeah. And now you go, instead of just like a small injury that you might be able to deal with, now it's a big injury. Now you're sidelined. Your therapy completely doesn't exist anymore because it was never actually therapy in the first place. Yeah. It was just you trying to ignore your emotions. Yeah. And that like exactly what you're saying, people end up pushing through things that they should just take a day off. Right. Right. Like in, instead of just like, if you kind of feel that little ache or pain, kind of like, you know, say like, Hey, I'm here. Maybe if you just took a day off, that thing would go away. Right. But if you think, well, no, I have to get my run in, I have to get my workout in. Otherwise I'm going to be a monster. Yeah. I need to blow off some steam. I need to blow off some steam. This helps me be a better person. Like, and again, again, all of those things are true, right? Like running can help us blow off steam running. I believe running does make us better people. Right. But if you're putting all of your eggs in this basket, (laughs) right. And saying, okay, well, without my run, I'm going to be terrible. I'm going to feel awful. I'm going to have all of this anxiety, right? You're, you're essentially determining ahead of time who you're going to be if you don't have this run. Yes. Running or has to happen. Otherwise right. I'm a jerk. Right. Which again is a choice. <laughs> you don't have to be a jerk, right? Like you can choose to deal with those emotions in other ways. And that's really what happens here um, in both of these scenarios Because again, running does contribute to mental health. It is a fantastic way. And there's been scientific research studies that have proved the effectiveness of running and how it does actually contribute to mental health with decreasing anxiety, decreased depression, um, decreased incidence of Alzheimer's and dementia. Like it has very significant benefits on the brain, right? And so we are totally acknowledging all of that. We are not undermining any of that, right? But it's not a substitute for therapy or dealing with uncomfortable emotions in the long run. That's where I think it becomes a problem is when you're just trying to use running to just buffer, to, to use this thing as a way to avoid feeling those uncomfortable emotions like stress or anxiety or depression, whatever it might be in your life. Running is not a substitute. It's not the only way that you should be handling those things, especially if it's like a long-term issue. Right. I mean, there's lots of different ways that people use to buffer. People will, you know, they'll overeat, yep. they, they'll drink, they'll like just double down and work, just go crazy at work. Yeah. Suddenly they're taking on 80 hours at work. Exercise is maybe one of the healthier outlets in there, but not if you're using it as purely the only way to deal with your emotions. Mm-hmm. Actually dealing with your emotions is actually the healthy way to deal with them instead of ignoring them all. I love that that's coming from you. I know it's weird that that's coming from me, but we've been <laughs> married for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because you fell into this trap before too. Yeah. Where I decided that unless I got in my run like that, <laughs> there's a reason why I said it. If I don't get in my run, I'm going to be a jerk. I, no, I well, even just, the girls would say it like yeah. younger, you know, like when they were younger, we're like, daddy needs to go for, daddy a, should run go for today. a run. Yeah. Like, no, I actually just don't have to be a, an awful person. If I didn't get my run in today, I could choose to not be an awful person. Well, and you're not, you're not an awful person, but sometimes the way we act, right? Like your nerves are a little bit on edge. Yeah. You can, just actually understand why your nerves are on edge. And instead of having to like burn off that, that, you know, anxiety through a run, you could just find a different outlet for that. If you don't have time to go out and get a run, like, you know, just lay down for a couple minutes and, and breathe and just actually think about where those thoughts are coming from so that you're like, Oh, those are just my thoughts. This is the emotion I'm currently feeling. I don't have to snap at my kids. Yeah. Well, and and again, that's really where it comes down to learning how to actually feel the emotions and then effectively handle them with other strategies besides just running. Right. Or besides, um, overeating or over drinking or overworking. Right. A lot of times we, don't want to feel those uncomfortable emotions, whether or not, you know, it it could just be boredom, right? Boredom is an uncomfortable emotion. Um, Anxiety is an uncomfortable emotion. There could be stress that's going on in your life and we can choose something to help us avoid actually just handling those negative emotions and learning how to effectively deal with them um, will actually help improve your running, right? Because when you actually can 
handle those things and then see running for other things than just therapy, right? Than just a way for me to um, burn off my stress or handle the um, anxiety of the day, then running can really open up in a way that you may not have seen before. Right. Like if running doesn't have to be therapy, yeah. like running can, can be running and then you can put different effort into running because it's not the thing that you have to do to burn off stress. Running can simply be its own separate thing. I I run because I enjoy running, Mm -hmm. not because I have to do it or my head will explode. I I run because I enjoy running. Now let's go out for some easy runs and then we'll have a hard day and, oh, I'm not feeling so good. So I'm going to take an off day. Like running is its own separate thing. It doesn't have to be directly connected to your mental health. You can gain the benefits on the side. You can. And then you will also gain like, yes, you will gain the benefits on the side, right? Like you can actually just go out and run and then you will still gain those mental benefits of running. So, um, yeah, so that's number one. Number two is running should feel uncomfortable to be effective. Okay. We, this is a thought that I think ends up holding a lot of people back and you may or may not be aware that you're actually having this thought. Yeah, this one kind of stays under the surface for a lot of us. Well, I think this is like more of a belief, right? It's not necessarily one of those conscious thoughts that's like, I better go out and make this uncomfortable, right? But like <laughs> there's there's this unconscious belief that I need to be feeling some level of discomfort in order for this to be effective in some way. Right. And so there's some like subtle ways of I, th- this better go out and hurt. But if you've got to run like on your schedule that you're like, oh man, this one's going to be painful. Sometimes the secondary thought that follows that you look at, you're like, this is going to be painful. So I'm really going to get some benefits out of it. Mm-hmm. You're really going to get some benefits out of all of the runs that yeah. you go out and do. But a lot of us, and this is where you're like, oh no, that's, that's just a sneaky underlying belief. Mm-hmm. Oh, that workout is going to be really hard. So I need to make sure that I get that one in during yeah. the week because that one has the most payoff for me. Right. And that kind of goes back to the, idea that we've talked about a lot, that there is no magic workout, right? Like there's not one workout that if you push really hard on this workout, you're going to get better. It is the accumulation of miles and time and days and months and years of training that actually makes you a better runner. Uh, It's not trials, miles of trials. Yeah. It's not one run that will make or break you as a runner. I mean, there are there sometimes one run can break you though. One run could break you, but nothing's nothing. There's not a single one that you're like, well, if I don't get that one in, Mm -hmm. then there's no chance for a PR in the upcoming race. Then my entire training is derailed. It's the cumulative effect. Like Mm -hmm. that's really that's what transforms you into the runner is the buildup of day upon day upon day, mile after mile. Yeah, and so what happens here of like if you have this belief that running should feel uncomfortable to be effective. What happens um, most of the time is that people end up pushing too hard too often, right? So like we said earlier, going out and pushing to that moderate level of discomfort, right? That moderate effort level. Like we like to use um, something called the RPE, which is the rating of perceived exertion. So on a scale of zero to 10, how hard does it feel? And most runners, when they go out, they're like, yeah, probably like a five or a six. You know, we've, we've, um, surveyed hundreds of runners over the years. And that's really what people tend to kind of default to is that five to six range. Right. And so that is too hard. People think that when we say hard, they're like, Oh, well, I don't go out and sprint. And it's like, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that medium, that moderate effort level. Um, and so if people are going out and running at that moderate effort level, every single time, this is not an effective way to train. Okay. This is basically just putting yourself like to a level that is not very beneficial if you're doing it every day, because you are never actually recovering from that effort. It's a terrible way to balance your own like family budget. You're just, you're constantly withdrawing more money than you're ever putting in. Like Mm. this is not living paycheck to paycheck. This is not quite living paycheck to paycheck. This is like, I get a paycheck and then I spend more money than that. And now I put it on a credit card and then I get a paycheck and I spend that. And then I put more on the credit card. Eventually the credit card payment gets way too big. This is just happening internally. Like you're pushing too hard every single day and you're not 
ever quite having enough to, to pay it off. You're never getting the recovery time for that. You're out there going hard after hard after hard and the recovery days, they'll come, but not because you chose a recovery day. Yeah. They come because it's forced on you because you're so exhausted mm-hmm. that now the recovery day is an off day yeah. because you're spent. You're yeah. just completely spent. Or unfortunately you get injured, right? Yes, like, well, that's the most unfortunate. That's, that's, you're tired. It often leads to fatigue. It often leads to exhaustion, which is obviously the extreme level of fatigue, um, which then leads to illness. A lot of times people that end up getting sick, like if you are constantly getting sick and you're like, I don't understand why I'm getting sick all the time. It's probably because you're pushing too hard on your workouts and your runs. Right. And you're not allowing enough. your body prevented you from going for a run. Yeah. You're not (laughs) allowing enough recovery time. And then your immune system becomes compromised because of that, because your, your body is constantly trying to rebuild itself because in your runs and your workouts, you're breaking yourself down. And if you're, especially if you're doing all of them to that, like medium to moderate level, like that's breaking your body down. And if you're not allowing proper recovery, it's going to be forced onto you. Right. And then, so that's one way is like physically, physically that's happening, but mentally, if you believe, even if you don't even realize it, right. If you believe that running should feel uncomfortable to be effective, then there's also this mental um, block that a lot of people have in the back of their mind. That's like this nagging sensation that I'm, I'm just not doing enough, right? Yep. I should probably do it, be doing more. And what, what that comes from a lot of times is that plateau that ends up happening because when you're pushing to that medium to moderate level, there's going to be a point where you stop making progress and then you actually even start regressing, right? Because a lot of times people will start to, when, especially if you're new to running, you will notice that in the beginning, when you're pushing to that medium to moderate level, you keep getting better, right? You keep getting faster. And it's because you haven't accumulated the physical stress yet. So this <laughs> works for a while. And then once that physical stress starts accumulating in your body, then you start to plateau. You stop getting faster and you're like, well, apparently I just need to keep pushing harder, right? That's the people want to double down on this That's because they got don't me understand. Here in the first place. Yeah. I was making good progress. And it makes sense of why they would think that, right? Because they, for all of this time, they were pushing at this level and now they're just not making progress anymore. So they think, well, maybe I just need to do, to do more. I need to add more miles. I need to push a little harder, right? Like they want to keep pushing more, which actually leads them to move backwards. Right. I mean, because when you first get into it, progress is, I mean, it's linear. Heck, it's almost exponential. Like you, you keep putting a little bit more into yeah. it and, and you see the payoff. You see the, the time from races are getting, are getting faster and, and smaller and smaller. You're just casual training pace is getting faster. And you're like, this is fantastic. Yeah. I can just keep getting faster infinitely, but you know, that's not true. You know, eventually there's going to be a point where the amount of effort kind of reaches your own physical limit tangentially. And eventually you're like, okay, so now how do I take that next move? But if pushing from, I was never running now I am, that's a stress on me that got me better. So I just need more stress on me and that will get me even better from here. Right. So what we see is that people that end up doing this, it, again, just to reiterate, um, a lot of times you end up plateauing and stop making progress, feeling tired all the time, getting injured, getting sick a lot. And so this is why instead of feeling like your runs need to be uncomfortable to be effective every single time, it's more important to structure your training in a very purposeful way. And the way that we like to suggest is what's called polarized training or the 80, 20 principle, where the majority of your runs are done at an easy pace which means that it should feel comfortable. You should feel like you're able to carry on a conversation. Your breathing should not feel labored. It should feel like you're just, you know, out for a little jog. Like it, it feels really good. It feels easy. And then 20% or even 10%, depending on what kind of a training cycle you're in and what your goal is, a small portion of your runs should be uncomfortable, right? So a a small portion of them should be at that medium to moderate to hard pace, but that medium to moderate pace that a lot of people end up doing 80% of their running in is actually belonging in the 20% of running. Yes. Yes. It's a very extremes. And there's a lot of people that try and make this more subtle and and think that they're an exception to the rule. (laughs) There's so many people that think I've tried to think that before. So many people (laughs) think that, 
I mean, I know that that's the general principle, but all general principles are going to have an exception and I'm and probably I'm the, exception. the exception. Yeah. So when I run, I can carry on basically a conversation. I know it's essentially happening like one sentence at a time. Um, someone, what did I see? I can't remember if I saw this uh, online or I heard a podcast, but they described like the difference between actual conversational pace and up the next level. They're like, conversational pace is like the conversation you could have if you sat down and were just like sitting in a coffee shop and chatting with somebody. Mm -hmm. Whereas beyond conversational pace, the lying to yourself and saying it's conversational pace, does the conversation sound like text messages going back and forth? Oh, nice. That's not conversational pace. Uh You're just- Where there's a, a pause. There's a pause and everything's coming in like one little, little blip. Like you, you don't text paragraphs back and forth. Mm -hmm. If you're basically making a sentence, maybe two sentences, and then you take a little break and then there's a pause and then the other person's able to respond in a sentence or two. That's not conversational pace. Mm. You've pushed just a little bit too hard. That's interesting. Yeah. So this is where, you know, a lot of runners, especially if you have gotten into running as an adult and you're not really aware that there's supposed to be any sort of structure to running, like this is one thing that people don't even realize at all, yep. right? Like people just think like, oh, well, I have to go out and run. And if I just go out and run, I'm, I'm going to feel better and I'm going to get get better. It's just running, right? And it should all be kind of slightly uncomfortable, yes, right? Like that's kind of where a lot of people start. And when you understand that there actually needs to be a very purposeful and structured way for you to train, if you want to improve again, going back to, if you want to improve, this is where all of it comes in going back to num- point number one, if you want to just run to run and you don't care if you're getting better and you're just like to go out and, you know, spend 30 minutes out on the road, then fine. And you, you enjoy that pace. Totally. And that's totally fine. Right. But the problem comes in when a, you want to improve and you're not improving or B aches and pains start to pop up and you don't, you know, don't really feel good when you're running anymore. Right. Then that thing that you want to do that you like to do doesn't feel good anymore. So you're not going to want to like, you're not going to do it in, anymore. And then you're going to become inconsistent. And then you're going to wonder why you're inconsistent. It's because it doesn't feel good every time you go out. So why would you want to go do it? Yeah, exactly. So um, you have a couple of examples of uh, other things in our life that uh, I'm, you're going to have to explain the first one because it doesn't really match very well with me. Well, I mean, it, there's a couple of things that <laughs> actually neither of these match really well with me. I, at and, all. I, and I think that both of them are, are great examples of this, right? Like this idea that it, something needs to be uncomfortable to be effective. I, I, I relate it to a couple of things. Number one, fashion, specifically shoes, right? Especially like as us, for us as women, there are so many people that are saying, well, like, you know, cute shoes are uh, comfort for the sake of fashion, right? Like you have to forego comfort in order to be fashionable. And I think that that's a big thing that is not true as well, right? Clothing and shoes can be both comfortable and fashionable. And I mean, I'm not necessarily the best person to to talk (laughs) about this because I will put comfort before fashion any day of the week. Um, But there's definitely ways to be fashionable and also be comfortable. Um, And the other example that I like to use for this is having a baby. Um, which again, you're not a very good one to, to do this. Right. But there are a lot of people that feel like, you know, having a baby is supposed to be uncomfortable to be effective. Like this idea, it should feel uncomfortable to be effective. Like clearly that's not true because if you have an epidural, it's all of a sudden your pain goes away. Like I've, and, and believe me, I, so I understand this idea very well because I wanted to have a natural childbirth. I didn't want to have any pain medication. I didn't want to have an epidural. I wanted to go through it. I wanted to experience it. I wanted um, an epidural because I was curious what that sensation was going to be. It's an interesting one, not being able to feel, feel your legs. Um, but I mean, you've run many marathons and now an ultra, so you should probably understand what there were definitely times where I couldn't feel my legs <laughs> exactly. or wish that I couldn't feel my legs. I should have gotten an epidural the day after the marathon. That hey, would have been helpful think- too. Oh, I don't think that would would have gone over very well. Um, but obviously there's, so I did, you know, for, for the first child, I labored for uh, over seven hours with no medication whatsoever. And my body just wasn't making the progress I wanted. And so I ended up having the epidural. And as soon as I had that epidural, like things progressed along much more quickly because I think that my body was like, I was fighting the pain, right? Yeah. Like, and there's, ways. So in, in my case, actually the epidural may have even helped per labor progress a little bit um, more and actually made labor more effective because I wasn't then fighting the pain, but 
with an epidural or without an epidural, you still end up with a baby at the end. Right. And I think that that's really interesting to think about. Like you don't, it doesn't have to be uncomfortable anymore. Like, you know, a couple hundred years ago it did, like we didn't have this technology, but now it doesn't have to be uncomfortable. So why go through the pain? And there's a lot of people that say, you know, I want to go through the pain and that's totally fine. And I'm not, you know, preaching on like that everyone should get an epidural by any means. Cause I think it's a very personal choice, but it is a choice, right? It doesn't have to be uncomfortable and you still end up getting the baby at the end. And so to kind of relate that back to running, like running does not have to be uncomfortable. And just because it is more uncomfortable does not mean that you're going to get better results. And it does not mean that you are any more of a, of a, of a badass than anybody else is. Or more of a runner. I mean, you take it all the way to badass, but just like, no, 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 it hurts every time I go out and run. Therefore I'm more of a runner than you are. Uh, No, no, you're not at all. Yeah. So I think that that's just, important for us to just kind of realize, you know, is this a belief that you maybe have that you might not have realized before? Yes. Excellent point. All right. Number three, I'm not good at this mm-hmm. or maybe I'm just not to, meant to be a runner. Yeah. I'm, I'm not meant to be a runner. I'm not that special of a runner. Running fast is something that other people do. There's a lot of different ways that this goes. I'm I just not most, good at it. I, the most general way of putting it is I'm not good at this. Yeah which is, uh, I mean, that's not a positive thought. That's, that's really not going to help you progress as a runner. If your underlying thought is I'm not good at it because it's going to create a whole heck of a lot of problems in training. Like, how are you going to be consistent if you've already stated that you're not good at it? Mm -hmm. If you're not good at it, why bother trying because you've told yourself you're not good at it. Yeah. So why, why put effort? Yeah. And if you're, that, you know, if you're struggling to complete workouts or complete a run, if you think that you're not good at something, then you already have a built-in excuse to quit. Right. So when it starts to feel hard, you're like, see, this is proof. I'm not good at it. Right. Because what we do, what our brain loves to do is we have a thought or a belief and our brain likes to be right. Our brain always likes to be right. And it likes us to always be seeking comfort and avoiding pain. So running in order to improve as a runner, there is a level of pain that is involved, right? It depends on like how you actually define pain, right? We're not talking about, um, actual pathological pain, right? Like if you have a knee pain or something like that, that you need to, to address, we're not suggesting that you run through that, but there is a level of discomfort that you need to go through if you want to improve as a runner. Occasionally. Occasionally, right. Going back to the 80, 20 principle, but there is that level of discomfort that you're going to have to go through. So if during those harder, those longer runs, like where maybe you're good with running three miles and you're wanting to decide that you want to train for a half marathon. So you need to start increasing your mileage. The first time you ever run four miles or the first time you ever run five miles, that's going to be slightly uncomfortable probably. Right. And so if in your mind you you're telling yourself, I'm not a good runner, I'm just not good at this. Then when it starts to get uncomfortable, you're like, you're going to be much more likely to quit or to Uh, make some sort of excuse of why this is not a good thing or why it's not working for you. Yes. Yes. This obviously doesn't work for me because I'm simply not good at it. You're also really unlikely to sign up for a race, which I think is, is just such an enjoyable aspect of running where you get to really surround yourself with running community. Um, Some people, they don't want to do it. I think part of the underlying reason, and there's a lot of reasons to not sign up for it, but one of them, which is a terrible reason is fear of judgment of the people around you because Mm -hmm. you've decided you're not good at it. So the last thing you'd want to do is put on display what you're not good at. Right. And, or the idea that I'm not really a runner or I don't belong. I don't belong in this group. Right. I don't belong in this group. I'm going to be one of the slower ones. I don't want to be last. Mm -hmm. Um, and that can hold so many people back from experiencing the amazingness of actually participating in a race, right. Of whatever distance it might be. Maybe it's a 5k, 10k, a half marathon, whatever it might be. If you fear that you're not good at something, why would you ever want to put yourself in a situation where that could be just put on display? Yes. Cause that's essentially what a race is. Yeah. That's a chance where other people are going to see you do it. It leads and even, probably point and laugh at you. Well, obviously point and laugh because nothing screams running community, like people pointing and laughing at you. <laughs> like it's just, it's ridiculous. The, the amount of support and encouragement of anybody, like you get 
people at like every water station, every race, if they don't have, you know, most water stations, they've got a cup of water in both hands. So that means they're just yelling encouragement at you. And if they don't have water in both hands, they're clapping for you. So the idea that you're, anybody's going to like point and laugh and think that it's silly of what you're doing is just kind of, well, it's, it's silly. But this is what our brain will tell us, right? Like is. this is totally understandable like why and, and most of us aren't imagining people actually pointing and laughing but we're thinking that people are going to be silently judging us right yeah. like it's not that they're going to point and laugh like most of us that's not the picture that we have in our head but the picture that we have in our head are people that are along the sidelines being like oh look at this slow person you know or they're not the people, pointing and laughing but they have pity that's why they're not pointing and laughing right so they it's it's the silent thoughts that they're thinking in your head that they're probably going to be thinking bad things about me or you know they're going to be like oh man waiting for me at the finish line oh, you know yeah. like oh gosh when's when is this race going to finish like that where are the rest of the runners you know people are so slow like we have all of these ideas of what other people are thinking about us and this is totally natural. All of us do this as humans, right? We all have an idea. There's always some sort of, of fear of judgment. It, it takes a lot of practice to release that and to let go of, you know, that fear that other people are going to judge you because it's what we do as humans. We judge people. This is what our brain does. It's a part of our survival mechanism. And most of the times it's not, we're not trying to be mean to other people, but it's just literally our brain's way of making sense of the world. We kind of try to figure out where we fit in with everybody else. Like, and so in this example, with the running community, where do I fit in this running community? Like, mm -hmm. is this a place where I even belong? Is this a, is it a place where I'm going to be accepted? Because if I feel like there's a chance that I might not be accepted, our brain is like, nope, don't even do it. Not right. Joining and, that group. And your brain is going to give you every reason possible to not do that thing because being ostracized and being outcast as not being part of that group or that tribe is a very intimidating. And, um, it's a thing that we as humans don't want to experience because of the way that we're wired. Right. Which is weird because our defense mechanism against being ostracized is ostracizing ourselves or others. Oh yeah. We just push everybody else away. Yeah. We push other people away or we do it to ourselves first. Right. So we don't even put ourselves in that situation for fear of being ostracized. Right. And so we actually end up keeping ourselves out of the tribe just ahead of time because we don't want to risk the fact that somebody else might push us out. Yeah. But the running tribe's so awesome. Join the running tribe. Right. But be great. Sign up for a race. Either way, you're still out. Yeah. Right. Like, just and so sign up for a race, sign up to volunteer to race, pass out some water to race, cheer, volunteer to finish line. <laughs> Races are awesome. Races are fun. Um, but I think that this is where we kind of go back to this idea of like, you know, not being good at this. If you think that you're not good at that thing, a lot of times what you'll do is fail ahead of time, right? Be because you won't put in the effort or you won't try because you're afraid that you might not achieve the goal, or you're afraid that there's a chance that someone else might judge you or that it's going to be more painful or whatever it might be. Like your brain is going to give you a million reasons of why this thing isn't going to work out. And so if you believe I'm not good at this, then why would you actually try to prove your brain wrong? Right. And so there's a lot of, of specific things we covered there of problems during training, during an actual race, say you've overcome this, you've signed up for a race, but you still have this thought of, I'm not very good at it. That's going to lead to its own issues. Um, you know, as you're standing there at the starting line, a whole heck of a lot of pre-race anxiety mm -hmm. for all the reasons that we just said. Um, but what all that pre-race anxiety is, is a whole lot of wasted energy. You point out that the amount of energy that your brain uses, if you're getting ready to run a race, especially a longer race, and you're just burning through all this pre-race anxiety, that is just cranking out all of these calories that you were trying to store so that you could run a race. Yeah. Your brain is actually the number one calorie consumer, uh, organ of your whole body, right? right? Which your is why it's helpful to go out and run and shut off your brain thoughts. Yeah. I think your brain uses like 60%. That's a lot of your daily energy needs, which is so crazy if you think about it, right? So if you're just spinning your wheels, thinking about all the possible things that could go wrong, like Kevin said, that's, that's a lot of wasted energy. And then same thing during the race, right? Like if you're having these negative thoughts throughout the race, you're not actually focusing on the race itself. And a lot of times those negative thoughts, if, especially if you just kind of let them go, will 
convince you to slow down because you're just not good at this. Is it really worth it? Why am I doing this in the first place? Right. And you, you, your negative thoughts start going on loop and you stop focusing on the race. And then that ends up leading to the result that you don't want, right? The slower time that you were hoping not to have because you weren't actually present and focused in the race and you were letting these negative thoughts get the better of you. Right. But as you pointed out, our brain does what it can to give us the results based off of the thoughts that we're having. So we've already established, I'm not very good at this. So then we hit the middle of the race. It starts being difficult. So we start slowing down because we're like, oh man, running is not for me. Clearly this is getting uncomfortable and difficult. Mm -hmm. I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not prepared to do this. Whereas it's actually getting uncomfortable and difficult for everybody around you Mm -hmm. also. So then we'll naturally slow down. Or those people that are like way up ahead of you that that are, you know, have already passed that point in the race. It was uncomfortable for them also. Everybody's got the same level of discomfort. It's just a matter of how you handle this thing. And what point in the race you hit it. Yes. So everybody has this natural slowing down. Mm -hmm. Some people have the natural slowing down that they just sort of accept. And then it cascades into drastically slowing down, which then leads to the result of a slower time that just proves the thought that you weren't very good at it in the first place. Yeah. So your brain wins. Exactly. And this really proves what we were talking about at the very beginning of the episode is that your thoughts lead to your actions and then your actions lead to your results. And this is why whatever you think and believe is so important and will determine the results that you end up getting, whether it's in your running or really the rest of your life. So other examples of this, you know, in the rest of your life would be um, if you think that you're a good mother, If you believe that you're a good mother, you will then do the things that good mothers do, which will then prove that you're a good mother, right? Again, it's this loop. That's the thought of I'm a good mother that leads to the actions in your mind of what, you know, doing things that good mothers do, which give you the the results of you feeling like a good mother, right? Like, and obviously being a good mother is a very subjective thing and people have different ideas of what this is. Same thing with being a healthy person, right? If you think you're a healthy person, you will then do the things that healthy people do. So in your mind, maybe that's eating um, a certain way, right? Like making sure that you're focused on your nutrition, making sure that you're exercising a certain number of days per week, making sure that you're drinking enough water, making sure that you're getting to sleep, like all of the things that you define as a healthy person. If you identify that way, if you say I am a healthy person, you will then do the actions that will then create the results of you being a healthy person, right? People think a lot of times that the opposite is true. They think that they need to do the things first that will, and that will make them a healthy person. And what we're telling you is that you actually have to have that thought first. You have to take on that identity first, and then you will do the things that will actually lead to those results and outcomes that you want. Right. Or as, as you have here on the negative side, if you have the thought of I'm a lazy person, that's going to lead to a, an inaction mm-hmm. of not getting up and doing all sorts of things. Cause you've stated, well, I'm a lazy person. So should I get up and do something or should I continue sitting here on the couch? Well, I'm lazy. So I guess I'll continue sitting here on the couch. Right. And then you get the results of not having things be accomplished in your life. Uh-huh. Or you beat yourself up for it Yeah. on the other hand, right? Like if in your mind, you're like, yeah, I'm lazy. Um, and, but I really feel like I should, I should go exercise. And you're like, but I really don't want to, I'm, I'm, I'm just lazy. You know, like there's mm-hmm. so many people that like come into our running group and like when we do our challenges and stuff, and I usually ask them like, what are you struggling with? You know, what, how can, how do you think that we can help you? And there are people that say like, I'm just lazy. Like they just accept that as a fact. and we're here to tell you that that's just a thought, you know, and every single thought in your life is changeable. You can change any thought that you want. And if you take a look at how your thoughts and your beliefs are affecting the way that you show up, and that's affecting the results that you have, if you want different results, all you have to do is start thinking different. I shouldn't say all you have to do because, but you do have to start thinking differently first. And then once you start thinking differently, you will then start to take different actions, which will then lead to new results in your life. Right. And it doesn't mean that that negative thought is never going to pop back up. Right. Like in the middle of a race, and I don't care who you are running, in the middle of a race, you're probably going to have a negative thought. And one of them could sound something to the effect of, I'm not very good at this. Yeah. Of, man, I am completely unprepared. I am out of my depth. This is not going well. You have the power to then not focus on that thought. Mm -hmm. Like you could focus on it and spiral downward. Or it could be like, no, I 
I am prepared for this. So you have to have some evidence, which is why it's helpful during training to get sort of that positive spiral. Well, this is why there's there's a lot more, many more levels of actually how to rewire your brain here. Yes. Right. Like, and, and, and the whole point of this episode is really starting to bring this awareness to you guys so that you can start to see how your thoughts can actually affect your results. And if you want to change your thoughts, there is a step-by-step process and of, of actually how to rewire your brain. Yeah, it's, it's not just about like, okay, I noticed that I'm thinking this now I'm going to think this instead. Like God, it's, that'd be so easy and I awesome. Know, I know, but we all know that that's, it's not that easy. And we all know that our brain wa- loves to sabotage us and our brain loves to go back to those old thoughts over and over and over again. So, and it's, again, there's, there's a whole process of actually how to do that. It's not just like, reading a sign on the side of the road towards the back end of a marathon that says you're strong enough you're like oh that's right the sign said i am strong enough now i can do it right and so but so yeah and this is like it's a about more than just positive thinking and mantras. Like it's not just about like having a mantra and just repeating that over and over and over and over again. There's a, cause sometimes, sometimes that works for people and sometimes it doesn't, you know, because there, there is a better way to do it, but um, that's a little bit out of the scope of this episode for today. So hopefully you guys can understand how your thoughts and do determine your actions, which give you the results that you have and how these three thoughts running is my therapy, running should feel uncomfortable to be effective. And I'm not good at this, how those three thoughts and beliefs can really affect the results that you're getting. And so hopefully you found this episode helpful and, you know, maybe you were able to kind of hear a piece of your story here, like kind of understand like, Oh, maybe that's why I'm struggling. You know, maybe that's why I'm not getting faster. Maybe that's why I don't have the results that I want right now. And so that you can bring awareness to that and then start to, to work on it and, um, improve on that. So if you guys are curious how your thoughts individually might be holding you back, I am excited to announce that I have, I'm starting to offer new one-on-one running consultations so that we can really start to get deeper on what are the things holding you back. If you're not making the progress that you want right now, if you are noticing that you are just at a plateau or maybe there's an injury you're dealing with or something along those lines, I would love to help you through that. So I am offering some one-on-one consultations now to help you figure out what is holding you back, why you don't have the results that you want in your running, or maybe you just, you know, maybe you are progressing well, but you just want to continue to progress, right? You want to continue to get faster. You want to continue um, to make sure that you don't have these problems or these obstacles that pop up along the way. So if you are interested in scheduling a one-on-one consultation with me, head over to the website, realliferunners.com, and you'll notice on the right-hand side, there is a little button that says, send us a message. Just click on that and you'll be able to record a short voicemail to me. Um, In that, you can just kind of give me an idea of what it is that you are looking for, like why you think you might want um, to have a, a coaching consultation. And I will send you an email and give you more information on that. Okay. So head over to that website, realliferunners.com and just click on the little button that says, send us a message on the side and let me know if you're interested in, in scheduling a one-on-one with me. And then I will send you all of the details for that. So as always, guys, thank you for joining us. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 255. Now get out there and run your life.